All right. Hey, David, how's the life in Panama City? It's going pretty well. Uh, I'm excited. I'll do a canal tour soon. Oh, yeah. But I, I, they all speak Spanish, so I'm not able to practice my communication as well here. Oh, I don't know very much Spanish. Well, immerse yourself, man. Learn it. I'm very bad at languages. Uh, well, that's... But that's that... a label. I shouldn't label myself that right. way. Right. And and wherever you do label yourself that way, that's usually a good indication of what, what you should focus on. Um, yeah. I was listening to a podcast recently. James Altucher, I think. Um, I think you'd really like his podcast, actually. I don't know if you've heard of him. James Altucher. Uh, he interviews a lot of great guests. And he's... Yeah. Anyways, he, he is... Uh, in their recent podcast, they talked about how you should uh, make an effort to do things that you think you're bad at. Um, right. Yeah. So maybe maybe that's an opportunity for growth for you. But listen, I have been bugging you for since we started this podcast. Yes. Uh, to read this book called Nonviolent Communication. I, for me, yeah. it has been kind of a life changer because it's helped me in personal relationships. And mo most importantly, in my own romantic relationship with my wife but also yeah. with my kids and uh, to some degree also with my coworker and people online it's it's really helped me uh become a, a better communicator and and yeah. uh, achieve the goals i'm looking for in the, those communications and in those relationships much better so i am very curious to hear what you, yeah. you you're about halfway through the book i think i'm curious to hear your thoughts on it so far yeah, so I'm, I think I'm just under halfway through the book, but I'm through the, the main first part, which talks about, yeah, how to communicate nonviolently, let's say. Right. right? And then it, gets, then it switches over to listening and the conversation as a whole. And so it's interesting. I think that, I mean, when I first started reading it, I didn't like that Deepak Chopra wrote the intro, and it's very much right. disconnected yeah, yeah. from anything real, in my opinion, in that sense. Mm -hmm. But I don't disregard it just because... I, I, I know a lot of people, especially in the you know objectivist, more rational type movements that will dismiss anything that has that sort of spiritual tinge to it. Yes. Whereas I don't. I think like, you know, I've read Buddhist stuff and there is value to be gotten out of that anyways. Um, so, you know, I did keep going and I, I had faith that uh, <laughs> you wouldn't have recommended. Man, all these trigger words. I wouldn't have rec I, you wouldn't have recommended something that was just that. Um, so in terms, I think the approach is actually interesting and and valuable, right? But I don't find it particularly unique from other things um, that I've read, right? Like, I think it's just communicating compassionately, and he uses that as like an alternative uh, name for it. But I think that is like a broader type of approach to dealing with people. But I do think the way they break it down, the four steps, um, is observing. Uh, what is it? It's it's you observe, you feel, you you express your feeling, you express your unmet need, and then you express your request. And so yeah. I think breaking out in that formulaic way is helpful um, and more precise than the other places, the other ways I've read about this. Um, but fundamentally, like, I think it's a useful approach, but I still don't like having to communicate like that, right? right? So I understand it's valuable, and I think it's good for, you know, young kids and for people who are troublesome, but I don't 
want to have relationships where I feel I need to communicate in this manner because yeah, yeah. I, I take the assumption that I am compassionate. I do value things. I care about people. And I would want to engage with someone else who also has that as their fundamental premise. And right. so they would make assumptions into my language that are based on that without needing to me to explicitly be so worried about the way I communicate because then I'm more filtering yeah. and that sort of stuff. So my initial thought is I think it's valuable for, yeah, if I'm dealing with people who are erratic or for children and stuff like that, but I still don't view it as some a way I would want to guide my life because I wouldn't want to have to deal with people that way. So I'm interested yeah. in, in your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, I, I totally get what you're saying. And, and I, I agree with you. Like, it's not something that I use in everyday communications, right? Like, I, mm. I don't break up because most communications um, are, are, you know, they're fine. Like, there's no conflict. Right. It's just, you know, at work, for example, there's usually not a lot of conflict. Uh, but what I find valuable about, you know, and, and I think what you'll find is, like, I, revisit it when you're in a romantic relationship and your girlfriend gets mad at you or she's upset that you left the toilet seat up or something like that right, right? and you try to employ an objectivist rational standard to that conversation and see how far you get actually getting both your needs met in that uh right. conversation right and that that's that's where it comes in and and what where it's been really useful to me because he takes a fairly I think it's a fairly rational approach to it. And the, the, the one thing that I really take away from this that, that I love about it is that it requires, um, it requires the, the, the basic assumption is that you own your, your inner state, right? That you're right. in full ownership of it yeah. and you're responsible for it, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's not other people's responsibility how you feel about things. Right. And I think that's a stark contrast to what we're seeing in the world today where yeah. everything is someone else's fault, where they're triggering me, they're causing me all this problem, they're hurting my feelings, they're right. making me angry, they're making me sad, they're doing all this thing to me. And that that language, that inner dialogue where they're doing this, and, and you hear this quite right. often in personal relationships, right? Like, so your girlfriend or wife in the future might say, you really made me mad when you did that. Okay, right. well, how are you going to deal with that, right? Because that's a subjective thing and, you know, right. all that kind of thing, right? So, so this is a great tool for those kinds of situations where there is conflict and where there's negative emotions either on one side or the other or both sides. It's a right. great tool for, for helping work through that. That's what I find. And so maybe I, I should just describe this to listeners so they, they understand what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. The premise behind this, and I agree with you, I don't like the spiritual mumbo-jumbo. I don't like a lot of the, if you watch his videos online, I think he's dead now, but there's a lot of videos yeah. online, and they're di it's difficult to get past the aesthetic because he uses these two puppets all the time to demonstrate, and he's got this <laughs> very kind of hippy-dippy way about him that is yeah. off-putting for uh, a guy like me. Uh, right. But once you get past that, you can see there's something really valuable here but basically his premise is this we are kind of immersed in this domination paradigm um of you know generally when we have a disagreement with someone or, or we're arguing with someone or debating with someone 
what we're doing is we're waiting for them to finish so we can explain why they're wrong, right? right. We're not trying to, uh, you know, and, and so it's, it's, it's kind of like I'm either going to be right and you're wrong or you're going to be right and I'm wrong, right? So it's, right. A, it's a zero-sum game, a lose-win lose situation. And he, he argues that that's the wrong way to think about the conversations and about conflict. And, and, and he starts with this premise that, first of all, you own yourself. Uh, yeah. and, and other people own themselves and their inner state. And that when we have conversations, we have to remember that this other person isn't ca causing us to feel anger or sadness or that. That is totally inside ourselves. It's our own thoughts causing that. That other person might have said something that triggered something. Right. So they're, they're the trigger, but they're not the ultimate cause. That, that root cause is in us. And so this helps us work through figuring out what that root cause is, getting to the heart of the matter and figuring out where these negative emotions are coming from. And so just and that alone, a lot of it. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So uh, a lot of it does. I, I really do value that. It's very much about self-ownership. Like that part did stick out. And any book that's helping to advocate that from any like even half logical lens, I'm in favor of because it's yeah. so important and so not practiced widely now. But I do think, it, like, in that sense, it does parallel a lot of the mindfulness stuff. And it is really about, no, okay, something happens and I react to that thing and I feel the emotion and that sort of, that sort of stuff. And I think, you know, the most valuable part of any of this is the first section, which is observe, don't judge. Right. And right. that's being objective. Right. Yep. And that's the most important thing is just look at what happened. And and so in some other, you know, terminology or in other, uh, you know, approaches, they talk about how you bring baggage. Right. So if I have a conversation and you upset me or you say something that makes me upset or, um, oh, that's always Tim. Because and I'm bringing oh, all of the past occurrences of who I think Tim is and that sort of stuff where it's like, no, you just have to look at exactly what happened in a given instance. And, and so it's like the observing, not judging is such an important part. Um, but again, I don't know relative to other other avenues. I've not tried this one yet to know if it's better. Um, but I mean, the, the compassionate yeah. listening and just, understanding where someone is coming from i've had it diffuse like pretty explosive situations yeah. um, and i think of one in particular where like someone was trying to throw someone out of a hostel i was at yeah. and there was like 10 people trying to weigh in and i was the only one actually hearing him and so i managed right. to diffuse the whole situation and it's yeah. it was like a superpower had been discovered it was yeah. the first time i ever tried this and it was so incredible because People just feel so unheard, but I'm frustrated. Like, I don't want to deal with people who feel that way, but it's also, yeah. you have to, a lot right. of people need help to find the, uh, the path out of it, let's say, because they yeah. don't know their own behavior mechanisms. Well, yeah. And you're, you're using it in a way, uh, to try to figure out how to, um, almost, uh, I don't want to say manipulate other people, but like de-escalate other people and like bring them to, and it's useful for yeah. that. But where I find it really useful is de-escalate de myself almost. Right. So when it's in the, in the moments where I'm feeling angry or sad or bitter or resentful or 
this or that where where I find it it it's the most useful uh, right. because if it, it, it focuses inward, okay, what's the story I'm telling myself about this that's causing all this? What need isn't being met right now? Because what Rosenberg says is that all your all all these negative feelings you have are just symptoms of an unmet need. So right. so okay, something caused something triggered you, right? So I'll use myself as an example here. Uh, I'll just use a, a, some examples that have occurred over the past year. Someone posts something uh, praiseworthy of Maxime Bernier, right? Someone that used to be on my team, who was my right. supporter, who now jumped ship and went over to Maxime Bernier and is now posting all these positive things about this guy who stabbed me in the back. And I right. just find myself getting mad, bitter, sad, resentful. Um, yeah. Okay, so did that person... So first of all, I observe what caused that. Okay, it was this post, these particular words, right? Yeah. That caused that that triggered it. Next, I'm I'm putting some words, trying to label my feelings. Okay, what is it exactly that I'm feeling? Is it is it anger? Is it resentment? Is it sadness? What is my? How would I describe my internal state objectively right now that that I'm feeling? Do I have butterflies right. in my stomach? Is it like, uh, you know, my heart racing? All those kinds of things are are the feeling part. And then it's like noticing that feeling is connected to some unmet need. So what need am I not getting? Am I maybe it's a need for for validation or for my friends to um, to be considerate of me? Or you know, there, there's a whole inventory of human needs yeah. that we all need, or being connected to others, right? And and then once I figure that out, it's like okay. Um, my need, maybe my need for consideration isn't being met here. I really want people to consider me. Uh, where can I get that need met? Well, I know my wife really considers me. I know like my close friends consider me. I can talk with them. I can get that need met. And the story in my head is that this person was somehow a close friend of mine and that this is a betrayal and that this is them going out of their way to not meet my needs or something like that. And that's kind of an irrational thing to think because they were never yeah. really my friend. They were just like a, a kind of a superficial supporter. They liked some of the things, yeah. some of the words that were coming out of my mouth. So one, so, right. so this is how it helps me like, okay, I can get my needs met in another way. I don't need this person. I like that this person isn't betraying me. They're like, they're just right. saying something supportive of someone that, that they like superficially. And in the way they like me, super. so so this helps me get through those kind of negative interactions. But it's even more powerful in in your own life with people that are close to you that re you rely on that you you know like your wife or something says something and you 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 get angry. Um, well, you can fire back because you feel defensive, or you can engage in a process like this that says, okay, let's take stock here. She said X, Y, and Z. I'm just describing it objectively without any judgment words of like you attacked when you attacked me. Right. It's more right. Like when you said X, Y, and Z in kind of a loud voice, all of a sudden I started feeling this way inside. Now, why did I start yeah. feeling that way inside? What need isn't being met right now? And it's, this is where it's, it's very powerful in intimate relationships, right? Yeah. I, like I would never do this with a coworker or someone I work with on a professional basis because I don't trust them enough to let them into my personal world and I don't need their but that's, trust. That's something he highlights is that you should be able to trust yes, anyone, right? Yeah. That, that's one of the things he highlights. And I, I don't mean to cut you off, but yeah. I, I'm, I don't think this is the best 
long-term path to that within yourself because that's the part that why I have a hard time resonating it. I see the value in the communications, but I already don't really get triggered much anymore in that way. Right. And it's from other methods and like yeah. the meditation and mindfulness stuff. And so I think, again, it's a good first step, but to have to consistently go through have to consistently go through that process with yourself it, se it seems like it's too many steps to me and it, there's a simpler yeah. way about it and what comes to mind in general is I just reread The Fountainhead by Ayn Rand so there's Howard Rourke and Howard Rourke just doesn't get upset by things there's only like one moment in the entire book really where he like lets his emotions get the best of him and it's not that he's disconnected from them but he's able to just monitor them internally and so I've had that like yesterday, I, I, and, and I think that approach is more widely applicable than to just what someone says. So like yesterday I got in my Uber and the guy left and he didn't speak English, so I don't know why he yeah. left. And I'm sitting there, get starting to get frustrated. And then I just think about the context, right? I just think about my life and yeah. this moment, like there's no point of being mad. I won't remember this tomorrow. So just chill out. And right. I think... But do you know why you got mad in that moment? Because I was sitting in an Uber, not going to my destination. Okay, but what? Why would that cause anger? Right? I mean, that this this is what because I find I've... powerful about Rosenberg's work here, because it goes a, a layer deeper, right? Like, um, you know, he he. What what I like about his approach is that he doesn't. It's not about getting rid of the anger. It's about recognizing it and trying to figure out what, where exactly it's coming from. Because he, he points out right. that these emotions aren't something to be like stifled or th that right. they're bad in and of themselves. It's like they're a symptom of something and that noticing yeah. them can help you dive down into, okay, what exactly is it? Now, it sounds like you're doing that to some degree in that you're looking at the whole context and you're realizing, okay, well, this is kind of irrational to think about this like a, I'm probably going to have all my needs met and blah, blah, blah. Right. But uh, to, to have the, to, to do the inner work of, okay, w what need exactly isn't being met here? Why, why is it that I think my needs aren't being met? And, you know, it sounds like you're kind of going through that process. But for me, this was kind of re revelationary to me in yeah. understanding other people. It's not other people that are causing, it's not the Uber driver's fault that I'm feeling this way. It's not right. the it's, fact that I'm not going to the destination that's making me feel this way. There's something else going on here. What is it? Right. And, no, and, and I and can so, like, you know, I had just been traveling for two days. I'm in a place I don't, right. if he would have been able to communicate where he was actually going, then I like, I was in an unknown, I'm in a new country in an unknown right. situation. I'm feeling a lot of things. And I think it's important. And so maybe this is a yeah, good mechanism so, so let, for let me, people to experience yeah, and, that. and so if I take your step a little bit further, so you're in a new country, you're probably tired, so your need for, for rest isn't being met, your, your need to have uh, clear communication isn't being met, your need to, uh, to uh, have an under, uh, or to predict your, have a predictable future maybe isn't being met. So, so you're having a number of needs not met. Okay, so now you recognize that, it's like, okay, what can I do to get these needs met, right? Well, okay, I can, there's not much I can do. Maybe I can problem solve this communication gap, but maybe I have Google Translate, right? It just engages a different mindset. It's like, okay, now I'm solution oriented. How am I going to get my needs met here rather than just, you know, uh, diving into this uh, negative emotion or something like that, right? Now, yeah. the, the, other, the other thing um, 
I, where I find it really useful is actually uh, at work or in my professional life. So uh, I might be on a, a call where uh, there's a crisis, where a, per, a patient or a client is in crisis and they're, they're really angry and maybe even violent or something like that. And I, I'm trying to get compliance and I'm trying to help them through their situation, right? Yeah. Now, the, the way the cops <laughs> approach this situation is very different than the way I approach it, right? The cops come in and they have a gun and they just escalate it and say, you comply right. or you die, right? And, and yeah. but I, I notice that, you know, in the next half of the book, you're going to be getting into how to listen uh, nonviolently, I guess. And, and I, right. by the way, I take kind of, I don't like the term nonviolent communication. I, I don't think right. that's a term. I kind of get where it's coming from. But as a libertarian, I, the idea of conflating words and with violence to me is, is yeah. wrong. I get his point. You know, it's this domination paradigm or whatever. Yeah. Um, so the, the goal here is to not say anything triggering, right? And it's to, to not put the person on the defensive, but to connect with them. And, mm. and so I could say... You know, you need to calm down right now. You're being irrational. You're being erratic. You're being, you know, I could chastise them, right? Which will automatically put them on the defensive. Imagine when your significant other talks that way to you, you immediately mm. feel defensive and you want to defend yourself and say, fuck you, blah, 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 right? Like you have yeah. no, you know, but rather than do that, you know, his, his method works very well. You just observe, okay, when you, Frank, when you wave your arms around, when you're yelling and when you're, um, saying things like, I'm going to punch you if you don't, um, you know, that's, that's very concerning to us right here. Right. We, we just want to help you. Like that's what we're trying to, that's yeah. essentially the need, right? Our, our job is here to help you through this and we have the same goal as you, right? So, you know, I, I can imagine. And, and when you listen to Frank and, and actually with listening, what you're doing is you're trying to fi figure out what their unmet need is. So, right. Frank, you're, I, I've noticed you're waving your arms, this and that. I imagine you're feeling really angry right now. Is that right? And, and you try to connect with their emotion, right? Yes, yeah. I'm really anger, angry, right? And once you connect with the, their emotion and their negative feeling, it's like, and I, I'll imagine it's because you feel like your life is out of control right now. Like you, you have the need for being heard, for being considered. You have a need. And you for, help like draw them out. You guide them right, into right. communicating Probably. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, it works like a charm on, on people that are like that, right? Because they sense that you're really trying to empathize with them. You're trying to understand right. what life is like through their eyes right now in this moment, right? And you get to a certain point in the conversation where they kind of relax and they're like, yeah, man, I'm just so frustrated. And I'm like, and, and, and you sense that relaxation. And then you can start saying, look, you know, you've been waving your hands around, you've been angry, you've been talking, you know, giving bodily threats to us. It's obviously causes us a lot of concern. And, you know, we're concerned for our own physical safety, but we're also concerned that we're not going to be able to get our job done of helping right. you. Out. And we have the same goals as you, Frank. And so my request at this point is, you know, can, can we work on a plan together? Can we figure out how we're going to get this problem solved together? And yeah. You know, because they've been heard, because you haven't said anything that's triggered them and tried to like dominate them and like come over the top yeah. and explain to them how wrong they are, because you've connected with them kind of heart to heart at this level. Now they are very 
much more compliant and they, they, they're working with you to on the same page. And so that's yeah. where I really find it useful. And th there are situations at work and well, especially in personal life, but in a professional life, you know, when someone really pisses you off uh, or when someone's really angry at you or something like that, right? And you need to have a relationship with this person for whatever reason, like you're in a hostile, hostile and you know, you're not getting out of that hostel. Like this is where you're, and this person and this violence is kind of erupting around you or things are escalating around you. You have to live in that. You like, you can't extricate yourself from the situation. Okay. That it's a good tool to use then. Or if, you know, maybe yeah. your boss gets really mad at you for some reason. And rather than get defensive, you kind of try to really connect with that unmet need that's in him and figure out but what this, it is, reflect it back to them. Right. This brings it back to where I started, where it's like, I understand that this is a useful tool, but if I had to do this with someone more than three times, I just yeah. am not interested in that person, sure. generally speaking, right? Like, because for me, it's about value pursuits, right? I and 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 value pursuits and compassion, and just like if I know someone is trying to accomplish things and they're a good person, generally they have good intentions, um, and they're not like someone who is like actively lashing out and and has a and is struggling to deal with their own person if they're already an established relationship then yes i want to help them with that yeah. but i wouldn't want to engage actively and maybe i i choose to also limit who i interact with right so i don't have a profession where i'm interacting with a lot of new people i wouldn't want that um and this yeah. is one of the reasons so i understand how it's a useful tool to go and deal with the people out there, but I wouldn't want to have to do it a lot. Right. So I still, sure. it's like, I don't, and I, I don't know. I understand the benefit of like the introspection and how it's help helpful as well, but I'm just not sold. It's, it's the best out of all of the ones I've come across, but I do think the formula he laid out, the four steps is, yeah. Uh, a useful process at least yeah well i'd be interested to hear uh some other resources that that kind of uh or tools that get you the same direction you know the other way where i also find it useful is just in social media interactions right like i, I posted this thing today about uh about the bombing or the drone strike on this uh, iranian general and uh you know there's a lot of people that are just flabbergasted that i would post something like this or like just mm. You know, and they're like saying, oh, you're triggered and you're this is why, you know, just ad hominem attack after ad yeah. hominem attack. Right. And, you know, it it takes a, a second to get past that. But but what helps me is like, OK, I'm never going to have relationships with these people that are attacking me like this. Like these these aren't people that I would value having a relationship with at all. But yeah. there is still something valuable to be learned with how they're being triggered. And what is that? unmet need that's triggering that what is the story in their head uh, about uh, uh, th that's causing it because if i understand mm -hmm. that it makes me a, a more effective at political activism because my job right. is to try to persuade people connect with them and convince them of my my position or something like that and mm -hmm. and if i'm doing something that's triggering people from you know i need to know how that's tr triggering people and and I would like to remove that trigger and, and communicate more effectively. So I look right. for these negative interactions as clues as to, okay, what, what, and, and try to think about what the unmet need in this person is 
because that helps me tighten up my communication a little bit the next time. I might word things a little bit differently so that I get my yeah. point cut through that inner dialogue in a way that doesn't threaten their unmet need in some way or something like that, right? Because that's the whole point of, of what you've read so far in the book is how to talk nonviolently. It's like yeah. I'm, I'm having a conversation with my wife or my loved one about something in a way that isn't my goal here is to try not to trigger them, but to let them know, okay, first of all, I own everything I'm feeling about you leaving the toilet seat down. I love it left up, you know. I, I recognize uh, it's an unmet need in myself that you have no responsible to fill that need. I'm letting you into my inner world. This has nothing to do yeah. with you, but I'm just letting you know I'm really upset right now about this thing, and I'm trying to figure out why, right? Yeah. So rather than the, the normal approach is to say, you left this toilet seat down, I've told you a million times, not to do that, to leave it up. Like, why are you doing this to me? How did, how does that other person then going to right. engage? So, so the whole goal of, of nonviolent communicate is to communicate more effectively exactly what's going on. Um, and, and achieve your goals. Uh, mm -hmm. but at your, your point about cutting people out of your life that, that you have to do that with on a regular basis is, is well taken. But I think you'll find that, uh, when you're in a romantic relationship, um, you have all these assumptions and stories about the other person and all those assumptions and stories are constantly triggering you. And like, there's more at stake because you've intertwined your lives. And so it's, it's more difficult in romantic relationships to maintain stoicism, I guess. Uh, and, to you know, just let things slide because ultimately, like if your needs aren't being met right. in an intimate relationship, your other, your partner needs to know it because you're in mm. the relationship to meet each other's needs. She, yeah. you have to have the assumption that she also wants your needs to be met, just like you want her needs right. to be met. And so if you're just bottling up this anger, this frustration and saying, okay, Tim, it's no big deal. Like think about the overall life. She's a great mm -hmm. woman. Like I know she considered right. me, blah, blah, blah. What you're doing is you're cutting her off from the opportunity to help you meet your needs. So it can really strengthen intimate relationships to let your, your lover know that, uh, you know, th this inner world you have and all the thoughts and stuff are going on. Uh, mm. and, and, you know, you, you've already got the point, point part where, yeah, you wouldn't voice that on her, but also it's great to let her know that you're upset, but that it's yeah. not her fault that it's up, you're upset, but that's something she did triggered it or something. Yeah. And to give her the opportunity because Rosenberg says, and I think this is a good point. One of our human needs is to help other humans meet their needs. Um, like that's an seems to be an intrinsic human need. And that's true. Like I feel much better about myself and about my life when I'm doing something positive for my wife or my kids or the people I love. And if they're letting me into their inner world and letting me know in what ways they're upset and what's triggering them and I can help them through that and help them meet their needs that's causing that, well, I'm, I feel better about myself, you know? Definitely. And I do think, it, I do think it's valuable in this way. And I'm, I, like I said, I've not tried it out. I've tried some of the other ones. So perhaps this is the better method um, compared to other forms of like I statements and you're only allowed to talk about yourself and not even mention right. the other person. And there are, there, there are other approaches, but I yeah, yeah. do think it's absolutely necessary. And for any, uh, like kind of the, the corollary of me not wanting to be, have like those people in my life, let's say, is the people in my life I need to feel like I can communicate honestly and vulnerably with, right? right? And so if this is a good way to do that in a way that they can hear it more easily, then yeah. 
I used to just ramble anxiously about my thoughts and either they could deal <laughs> right. with it or they couldn't, right? Right, um, right? And that's not the case anymore. But definitely part of the de-escalation it, and the compassionate communication generally is that expressing of your vulnerabilities in one way or another. Because then that makes, if they're attacking you, even if you're saying you're like almost offering yourself up defenseless, like, no, you're right. Like, this is what I'm, a, I'm struggling. Like, this is what I'm feeling. Uh, I didn't mean to do this this way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And but, I, and I, I, so I was going to say the, the other thing I think that happens with libertarians too, the people that are wired the way you and I are wired is that we very easily cut people out of our life. Like we take our ball and go home and we're like, Oh, I don't, I don't need that person. Like fuck them yeah. kind of thing. Right. And we just don't, pay another thought. And I think sometimes that's to our own detriment because yeah. quite often that's a story we tell ourselves about that person. Um, and, and it, it, there might be a valuable relationship there to be nurtured, but because of the story in our head about how that person is and, and the way that story in our head is making us feel, uh, we're projecting it onto that other person and we're just like, fuck that person. Like I don't need yeah. them and take off. Right. So, so that's the other thing I think that this, uh, book has kind of helped me realize is that you know quite often i'm cutting people out of my life because um i'm being triggered by them but that triggering is actually my own fault right like yeah. they, they, they're not but yeah you, you do have to pick and choose your winner because you know look you're going to be in a relationship and any anytime you're in a, in a relationship there are asymmetries in in that relationship in terms of yeah. how able someone is willing to, to take full ownership over something. Right. Mm. And, and it'll vary at times. Like sometimes you'll be more willing to take full ownership. Sometimes your wife will, but quite often there'll be one person in the relationship and, and let's face it quite often. It's, uh, it's the man, um, be, just because of how we're enculturated that is, you know, and, and the normal thing to do is for the man to just say, I'm sorry, dear, it won't happen again. And just comply with whatever they're doing because you're pissing off the wife or you're making her mad. Yeah. Well, again, th that's what, where this has been valuable for me. Cause I've been a lot like that in previous relationships, yeah. but Rosenberg is very, you know, insistent that like uh, apologies and that sort of thing are actually a form of violent communication because it puts you in a subservient position and you mm. should never apologize for feeling the way you do. Right? right. Like you can say, maybe you regret the way you handled the situation. Right. Um, exactly. But, but, you know, and that you could have done it in a more constructive or positive way. But, you know, so so this has helped me because it forces you then to work through these things. It's like, I'm not just going to roll over on this. I'm not right. just going to comply and put myself in a submissive state. I'm going to I'm going to have to find a way of communicating to you the way my needs aren't being met, aren't yeah. being met here in a way that also meets your needs and doesn't trigger you. And that's yeah. hard to do, but it's worthwhile doing. And, you know, I can tell you from my own personal relationship that it's deep in the intimacy my wife and I have like exponentially yeah. and our relationship is so much better because of that like we, we've had peace in our relationship uh even without this but it's been uh, the peace of we're going to our own separate corners and not agreeing to fight but we the, the underlying issue yeah. is still there and it's never being addressed for the sake like of that peace real peace so that, versus this like is an like, armistice yeah, it's like an armistice. But what we really need to do is like do the hard work of figuring out, okay, what is it actually going on? Why are we yeah. both so triggered in this situation? And like, what what do I fully own here? What do you fully yeah. own here? Like, how how are we going to help each other meet our needs? And that that's really tough to do. But doing that work has uh, has really helped our relationship, I would say.
No, that's good to hear. And I definitely, I, I see the value in any of my more intimate relationships that this would have or this type of communication does have. So I'm an advocate. I don't have any particular book to recommend that I think like, like one book that establishes this type of thing better than uh, nonviolent communication that I've read so far. It's been more like a survey of many books that I've done. Yeah. So if you're saying... Well, and, and, and yeah, and, and, and I mean, this type of thought isn't necessarily new, you know, because, you know, the, the Stoics, I think it was Marcus Aurelius said that, you know, our own thoughts are what cause us to suffer. It's not other people. And, yeah. you know, and the Buddha said something Buddhism, similar. Yeah. yeah, Buddhism said something similar. Like if someone is is being shitty towards you, they're essentially living in their own hell and to feel some compassion for them. Right. right? And to recognize it's not about you. In other words, it's about them. Um, yeah. and that's a lot of the similarities. Um, so, so, but well, I, I think having this formula has kind of helped me figure out how to practically apply it, I guess. One thing I'm really interested in reading next, or, you know, once I can acquire this book in South America is objective communication by Leonard Peikoff, because oh, yeah. I found for a lot of the like Buddhist mindful stuff, objectivism has a similar but different take on it and it's more scientific and less you know in the air and so especially because this is still somewhat in the air but it talks about the importance of the objective like viewing the uh, situation viewing your internal situation in the communication aspect i'm interested to see what uh like he has to say on this uh on this topic as well right right yeah, and the other thing I would say is that you know once you practice nonviolent communication for a while, it doesn't—it's not formulaic anymore, right? right? So my wife and I now have conversations. We we speak normally, but we all we understand the intent is that we're both trying to own our stuff, and yeah. we're both understanding, you know. But we don't have to go through the four steps in like a prescribed manner because we right. understand what we're doing. So so it's not so formulaic. But you know, I would be interested to revisit the subject again. Uh, when you have uh, an intimate relationship with a girl, you know, again, we talked about this before, not to be so picky, David. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to revisit most things once I have a relationship. Yeah, it'll yeah. definitely change um, <laughs> my approach, but um, there's no prospects at the moment. So uh, I'll keep you posted when we can revisit it. But I'll want to talk about it again as well once I uh, read the, the rest of the book, because it's more about the listening. And I think it'll give me... A, a better uh, overall understanding of the method. So we'll definitely talk about it again yeah. soon, but yeah. then also in the future when I have a, a significant other. Right. Well, and, and because, I mean, the, the reason I say that is because it's one thing to read the book and, and think about the idea about it, but it's another thing to actually practice it and see how it works yeah. uh, with someone. So, you know, that's where you notice the real magic. You know, I, I read it. I'm like, okay, well, this seems to make sense. And well, let me try this because I seem to be having some difficulty communicating with my wife right now. And, you know, and then when it starts working and you see exactly how it works and you like feel it. It's like a cheat code. It's almost like, a, yeah, it's like, wow, this is amazing. And we're so yeah. much closer. And man, I, you know, I kind of want to preach this stuff now. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you're if you're living on an isolated island of burn bomb and, uh, you know, you're <laughs> you're just, you know, I, I could see where it's like, okay, well, it seems good, but it's kind of airy-fairy and blah, blah, blah. And no, I think, no, I think it's like for, I just don't have any, I, it's true. I don't have any relationships where I care to get that depth 
because the relationships I have right now, we've established that like we can communicate compassionately and we kind of take it for granted, but we don't care to get a deeper understanding of one another to that degree anymore, right? We've reached right. whatever level we need for our relationship, but with a significant other, it's kind of ever growing as well. Um, yeah. So, and that's just not true with like, you know, a friend necessarily or my parent or whatever. So, um, yeah, well, I, I think it'll be interested to hear your thoughts after you read the next section about listening, right? Because it sounds like you are, you have some experience there, right? Like you, it's mm -hmm. not like, like the talking requires that you be in a relationship, an ongoing relationship with someone and you, that you care about it and you're trying to nurture it and you're, you don't, right. you know, but this is more about, okay, you're in a situation, someone's angry and, um, you're you just stuck them? in this situation and like, how do you get your needs met? Uh, yeah, in that situation. And, and, and you could of, probably relate it back to a lot of the situations you've already been in, like the one you described yeah. at the hostel. And, and you can think about, okay, well, what was I doing in that situation that was similar to what Rosenberg's describing here? And, you know, yeah. it might help you clarify your thoughts about what exactly it was you were doing and, and uh, that sort of thing. And I think another aspect of where I get this, you know, insight from is like I did therapy a long time. I've done a bit of group mm -hmm. therapy as well. And so their approach a good therapist has some of this built in because they're trying to help right. you understand why you're saying what you're saying, why you're spewing what you're spewing at the therapy ch chair. And I've always like, un I wanted to understand the process I was going through, why it was Holy. helping me and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's very much um, similar. And it's, it is an aspect of therapy is helping them calm down and pull out why they're acting or saying what they're doing or, or saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, totally. Well, that's exactly what happened to me when I was uh, being going to counseling for PTSD. Uh, it was it was the therapist that helped me realize. He didn't say it explicitly, but through his questioning, he made me realize that it was my own thoughts that were causing all the mental suffering. Yeah. It wasn't Paul's I was going on. It was how I was thinking about them. And, mm -hmm. um, and that fits in perfectly with, you know, nonviolent communication. It's like, yeah, I own all that. There's triggering events, but it's my thoughts. It's all happening inside here. It's not mm. from the outside coming in. It's like happening all up here. And, yeah. and so it's not about controlling the external world. It's about how I think about my internal world. That's really where the magic happens. Yeah, but definitely. Anyways, cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for uh, that re doing that reading assignment and uh, chatting yeah. with me in a few months. No worries. That done. And uh, yeah, stay safe down there in uh, Panama City. Uh, Thanks. Enjoy your freedom and, uh, you know, uh, keep, we'll keep it. Soon. Yeah. All right. Talk to you later. Bye.